Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. I'm your host Jono and today we are here to talk defenders. Very excited to get stuck into the line-by-line analysis that we've been promising for so long. Uh, but before we do, I might just introduce some of my co-hosts here with me today. I've got Liam. Liam, how are you going? G'day Jono. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty good. Had a pretty nice weekend. Finally got to see some Bombers AFLW. Yeah, it's exciting. They got the win for you, which is which is pretty fun for the first game that you've got to see them in, in action. Yeah, came home like an absolute steam train in the fourth quarter, kicking bags from everywhere. Now, we won't mention the fact that half of the best players for Port Adelaide rested in the second half. Doesn't matter. A win is a win, and that's about the only win. Oh, well, I don't expect the Bombers men's team to get a win in this week or next week, so uh, really going to try and <laughs> savour that. Yeah, no, take take what you can get as a Bombers fan sometimes, so definitely hold on to that one. Mel, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, this is not the first time we've chatted today, Jono, uh, because we went to the game earlier to see Hawthorne, another expansion club, play Richmond at the G, which was very exciting. See some uh, women's footy playing at the G. And second game for the week as well, weekend, because you went to the other one as well, yeah? Yeah, I did. I got over to the Carlton-Melbourne game, which was... I mean, about as close as the Hawthorne-Richmond game. They were both pretty pretty big losses by, by what, Hawthorne and Carlton, respectively. So maybe maybe put those out of memories to support either of those teams. But just good to be back at the G and seeing, seeing the girls on the big screen up there and you know, running around in the, in the MCG lights. Finally, we're joined by our last co-host, Will. Will, how you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. I uh, didn't get as many opportunities to, to watch the practice games as, as you all did, but Mostly that was because I was supporting my local women's football team, Q Bears. Uh, both their women's teams won their finals today, so that was quite exciting. And I've been loving getting your feedback about all the practice games, the three of you. It's been fantastic to listen to. So thank you very much for attending those ones. Oh, no problem. Always good to support the local girls at the footy. Congratulations to the Q Bears on their finals results. Big day. And... Uh, Look, I think it was it was a bit stressful getting through all the games. I don't know about you guys, but I at one point on Saturday, I think there were about four or five games going all at once, which was God trying to track them all and, and what was going on was it was an absolute state that whole that whole morning. Four different screens, Jono. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. It was trying to you know one on the telly, two on the laptop, trying to track stats as we were going was a, it was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> and with all the last minute game changes and the time zone differences, it just really they all just piled on top of each other. Well, look, we might get stuck into it then because the main thing we're here to talk about today is not the practice matches. It's actually the defender line. It, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a really big challenge trying to figure out which defenders we want in our team. There's a lot of top talent back there uh, with the likes of you know Schleicher and Carney who are top priced back there. But there's also a lot of value. We've got expansion teams coming in and you know they're going to have a lot of ball back there we're expecting and that, that's providing a lot of opportunity to our teams. So I think we're going to take the chance today to sort of hit on a few different areas. We're going to start with, you know, what we see as our top five defenders, uh, the ones who are going to have the most points across the whole season. We're then going to sort of pitch some mid-priced madness options, some of those players who are, you know, in in that mid-range, uh, under you know 70k, I think is roughly where our, our line was down to 50k, just to see if there's anyone there worth picking. 
And then finally, anyone who is priced cheaper than Montana Ham is a rookie for our purposes, and we're going to see if there's any value down there that we might want to be starting on our teams. Liam, you've you've prepared a bit of a list for us on that top five. How have you gone with that? Yeah, look, I've, I've got a top five. The top two are very easy, and then it's a whole lot of guessing after that. Because, yeah, it, there's there's a lot of players in that priced at about 60 range, and goddamn, it was difficult. So at my top five is Ruby Slicer first, then Emma Carney, and then a tier two, pretty clear tier two in Gab Pound, Hannah Priest, and Eloise Jones at five. Yeah, some good options there. A lot of them playing backline last season as well, so good to have them there. Do we want to start off just by chatting through our top tier players there? You've got Ruby Schleicher listed as your first defender there. Something we saw a little bit of yesterday before her concussion, which is something we'll talk about in a second as well, but she was playing a little bit of midfield for the Collingwood Magpies. Is that something you see? Is that why you've got her listed at the top there? Or are you expecting more that she's going to continue that role in defence and, and someone that we should be adding into our team because of that intercepting role she played. So I think that the only thing that the midfield can do is provide further upside to her 70 because I still see her as probably being capable of averaging 75 to 78 this year because she was hampered by a back injury to the at the beginning of last season. And then you add on top of that the possibility of more sugar hit ceiling scores as a midfielder, it becomes like a, it, a opportunity that is too great to pass up. So she was already, in my mind, the best defender, irrespective of the midfield role. The question then becomes, with the midfield role, do you need to own her as well because there's still more price upside? Yeah, from the season six list, Emma Swanson was up there as number one defender, but she wasn't really playing as a defender and has since changed to be listed as a midfielder going into season seven. But when I have a look at my team from season six, like Schleicher sat at D1 for a couple of weeks in a row there. She was only not there for longer because I made the rookie error of trading out my premiums. Yeah, she's she's probably going to slot straight back into that D1 for me as well. She's a bit of a must-have. Yeah, and I think one of the, the really good things about Ruby Schleicher is that she really does get a lot of her scoring through marks. And that's a role that is quite a specialist role in AFLW. So it's a role that she's likely to continue in, whether it is in the midfield or in a traditional halfback role. So I think you can probably look at it and say she has a very good chance to continue scoring very good scores. The only red flag that I think we can bring is, even when Ruby talked about the move into the midfield herself on our Collingwood Breakdown episode. It wasn't like, oh yes, I've been a midfielder my entire life, like I've always wanted to get back in there, which is quite often what you have happen. Like, for example, when we talked to Tani, she was like, oh, I only played defender for a little bit and that's, I've always wanted to be a midfielder. Ruby doesn't appear to have that same passion to be in the midfielder. Do you think she can score better than her current average as a mid? To me, I think she's probably going to be more of a pinch hitter. One of the things was this preseason is that Lambert isn't in there, Michaela Can isn't in there, so she's probably playing more midfield minutes than we're likely to see in the regular season. I think for me, the midfield minutes is good for Slicer's scoring because it probably just means an extra two or three kicks or handballs here or there where once the centre bounces happen, she probably rolls back into more of a def- either a defensive midfield role or just plays as a defender. So that would probably be my take on it, which I think is a good thing. But I do 
definitely see the concern. If it is like a, a, tr- a pure midfield role, it's probably not one she's accustomed to and it might drop those mark numbers. Yeah, I, as much as I raise this red flag myself, I still see it as being a, this is not a slam dunk, but I still see the upside being there just purely, as you say, because there's probably a few extra possessions that she'll be able to get. The question will be whether or not she still is that marking defender, whether or not she can transition that game into the midfield. And I think that kind of, you can kind of see now that we've got uh, we've got D1 and we already have at least one red flag. I think this is, you're going to see that this is a bit of a trend with the top line defenders is there are red flags for all of them. Absolutely. If I can start with one of the red flags here, we saw a little report that apparently just just before or just after halftime, I wasn't quite sure on that, it did appear that Ruby got concussed on the weekend. Now, I know that we've got uh, a full two weeks before we head into the actual first game that Collingwood are going to play, so she's probably still going to play round one. I don't see that as a concern. But not everyone returns the same way after a concussion. It takes them a little bit to get back into it. Is that something we need to be watching out for? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because if she comes back saying that I haven't had any training then you might not be able to start with her because it could be a couple of weeks before she gets better. But it's just a, you have to now be like watching for interviews and content out there before you can, whereas before I was like, Ruby has to be D1. She has to be D1 in my team because of that scoring upside. I just don't see there being much downside. The second red, red flag that I see for Collingwood is a little bit different. When they were playing Sydney on the weekend, their territory dominance of the game was just so evident. The ball just lived in their forward half and it was very rarely in the back line. So the defenders really weren't touching it a whole lot. You know, it would come out, whoever was there would get it, kick it straight back in. And you didn't see a lot of the ball being shared amongst the defenders. To start the season, Collingwood play Carlton, Sydney, Geelong, Adelaide, Essendon, St Kilda. Only one finals team from last year in there (laughs) in Adelaide. The rest of them, they're a pretty good shot at winning. Is the ball going to be in defence enough? That's really funny because I was going to say, oh, well, you know, they're versing an expansion club. You kind of expect that. But that, uh, that, first, yeah, that early run. first half of their entire season really, really mm. cements that. I guess in that case, we kind of probably hope that she is in the midfield then because then she can intercept in the midfield, basically, playing as a very high halfback, I guess. I think, I think with Slicer, her role had traditionally been not just the intercept but she was the player that they liked to get the ball in the hands of to run off halfback and kick it long she's one of the longer kicks in that Collingwood back line so I think that it is a concern if the ball's not going to be down there but I think they will still use her and look for her as that player to launch it long to head towards the forward line whether that really affects her scoring it's really hard to say but I, I think it's not too grave a concern. The the bigger concern, as you say, is it just will not be there. We've set a few a few green flags and a couple of red flags for Ruby Slicer. I think overall I'm going to label her a Bangladeshi flag, that she's green but with a little patch of red in the middle. Very good. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> Liam's just checked out here. He's, uh, he's done for he's done oh. tonight. Yeah. Oh, we're only part the way through the recording. I'm just I'm done. I'm out. Sorry, team. Well, with that, let's moving jump on. on then, definitely maybe. moving on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah let's moving t- on as quickly as we can from that. Let's let's jump into our second player on your list, which is Emma Carney. Another interview. Emma Carney is the captain of North Melbourne. Why have you got her at number two on your list? Yeah, Emma Carney is an elite of the game. 
uh, and she's going to be playing in the same role that she played in last season, but for another season. And this is another case of with the amazing access that we've been able to get with players, she talked to the fact that she will feel substantially more comfortable in the role. North Melbourne aren't so dominant that the ball won't be down in their back line. They've also lost one of their other intercepting defenders in Jess Duffin. I just see there being substantially more opportunity for her. And I also just think that she's a gun, so they will want the ball in her hands. Yeah, and speaking to that, I think one of the other players who North have lost that will help Carney's scoring is actually Eileen Gilroy. They've lost a bit of that run out of the back line, and one of the strengths of Emma Carney's game has always been her ability to run and carry with the ball. So I think there'll be a few more handballs and handball receives that will get those kicks up that we normally talk about these sorts of players as, as mark, kick mark funds, but I think her runoff halfback will be super important for North this season. Yeah, I, I'm really keen on, on Emma Carney. I think particularly with the way that they played on the weekend, North were looking very good. They managed to knock off the Premier's Adelaide by two points over at Westlakes. And look, the ball was very much living in North's defensive 50 for a lot of that game the, the defense held up really well i think they're going to run with the same lineup and emma carney was was very very good i think she's going to have a, a very good season this year yeah and her no one would ever question her ball winning ability her ability to know where to go to get the ball is one of the reasons she's such a superstar player so i see a lot of upside in emma carney in that back line and i think the other thing and i know we spoke to it earlier with ruby Uh, Emma Carney was not nearly as impacted by going up against worse teams last season. So up against like two pretty average sides in GWS and West Coast, she managed to score a 77 and a 95, which suggests to me that it's just not a case of, oh, the ball's not there, therefore she won't have opportunities. She's that good at trying to find the pill. I still just see her as probably averaging about 73. I don't see there being much risk associated with her. I think she's one of those players that if they are playing a poorer team, she will push up the ground and, and really seek the footy. She, she won't be content to just sit back and let other people do the work. She's got such a hunger to get the footy and get the, the ball moving. So, I mean, those stats speak to it. But I think regardless of her opposition, she's going to continue to be a really good scorer. They're playing Melbourne and Adelaide in the first three rounds. Mm. So that, that suggests that... You know, the ball might be back there a little bit. And North are potentially good enough to knock them both off, but at the very least, there'll be opportunities, so I'm not too not too concerned there. And I think one of the other things we haven't talked about, Emma Carney, is we do expect her to play in that back line, but being that experienced midfielder that she is, there's always that chance that she could end up back in that centre-bounce mix. I don't think it'll be an early-season thing, but as the season progresses and younger bodies get more tired, there's always that chance that she could end up being put back into that midfield, which is a fantastic thing for scoring. Yep, I agree with all of the above. She's already in my, you know, draft starting team. You don't, you don't have a flag for us this time, Mel? No, no flags. All green. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, we might jump on to our third. We've jumped out of the top two. So that's that we think are going to be a, a top two, very clearly above everyone else in the back line. But Gab Pound is our third there. Liam, why have you got Gab Pound as number three? I said earlier that there's two tiers, but I, I, I actually think that there's a tier 2A and then 2B, which is enormous. 
I think that Gav Pound is playing a very consistent role at Carlton. Carlton looked dreaders on the weekend as well. So the ball seems like it could be living in their back line. She really nailed down that ability to be a running halfback that they want. That Carlton wanted to have the ball when they were trying to move the ball out of halfback. I don't see her role changing this season, and I don't anticipate that her scoring will drop as a result. It might not peak, but I don't see it dropping. Yeah, I spoke about this a little bit on the Carlton pod, but out of the two kind of defenders there, Karen Peterson and Gab Pound, Gab Pound's the one I wish I had brought in last season. Um, I mean, the two of them are both great, but Gab Pound just seems to be getting the, the points a little bit more so. Yeah, I think one of the other things that we've also touched on in the past but is a huge thing for defenders is taking kickouts and that was Gab Pound's role getting those cheap kicks in that back line really really helped the scoring yeah she's got those uh, seagull type tendencies she's always just like bobbing up for a really short kick in the back 50 it was kind of funny to see because Gab Pound didn't play against uh, the D's on Saturday Annie Lee took all of the eight kickouts that Carlton had, which was very strange to see. It's just almost as if they have a designated kicker regardless of who's playing. And if, if Gab pounds in, it's her. If she's not, then Annie Lee takes it over. I guess then that's the red flag for Gab Pound. Is that even like, and I know that this top five list is season-wide scoring. It's not like a, these are the players that you need to have in. The only flag might be that she may miss round one because we don't really know much about why she didn't play. Yeah, we know that, I suppose, the Carlton players who were unavailable due to injury were called out and she wasn't part of that list. It just said that she was unavailable, but we're a little bit in the dark as to why she didn't play. So Mm. definitely uh, wait and see. Could just be a load management thing, to be completely honest. So I guess we'll see. Well, that's the other thing, though, because they also called out another player as load management. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You had two players called out with injury. You had one player called out with load management, and then you had two players unavailable, just just unavailable. It could have been a personal clash with a a family member's wedding. It could have been entirely (laughs) fine. We have no idea. (laughs) And then I think... I think Gab Pound for me sits as a as a number three because the rest of the players we're going to talk about are almost all they come mm. with role based red flags. We don't exactly know what they're going to do role wise this season, and almost always you want to be picking players in a role, not players, if that makes sense. So, and then I've got at four at five, we've got Hannah Priest, who averaged sixty one last year, was in the game as a midfielder, but she played the entire season off halfback. And then you've got Eloise Jones, who averaged sixty at five. Kind of opening it up to the to the floor more generally here. I'm pretty hot on Hannah Priest because she's got midfield minutes. Is every does anyone else have any like issues with her being four, or is it a case of like you know you could put about fifty players in there? Yeah, I've I've got some some concerns. I, I definitely think she's a great player. She, so she's just been elected captain of the Saints. And yeah, she is very composed. I think when she was playing in the midfield in the practice game against a very, very impressive looking Brisbane Lions unit, she looked very composed with ball in hand. I, I just have one, one concern. And that is that there are a few times in that second quarter where she was just looking rushed with the ball a little bit. So... She was taking her time and then, you know, I think at one point Courtney Hodder just surprised her and tackled her, got holding the ball. And it's just little things like that where she's a very slow, deliberate player because she's probably used to that time in the back line. And then at, from halftime onwards, 
she played entirely in the back line, didn't have another midfield minute. And to me, the question is, was she put back there because Brisbane had started scoring so much and they needed a little bit of assurance back there? Or was it not working out in the midfield, which is why Brisbane was scoring so much? And so they put new players in there to see how it would go. Yeah, to me, I, I worry that this is a bit of a Bella Lewis situation where you've got a player coming into that midfield, which by all normal logic is a great thing, but it just doesn't quite work out for, for that particular player. I'm actually probably more keen on Bianca Jacobson from a St Kilda defender point of view. Just Even though I don't think she's quite got the potential for the heights that Hannah Priest could, especially if she plays through that midfield, her consistency last season was pretty close to what we saw from Gab Pound. And while I don't think she's a player that you'd be going, I need her, I need to start her in my team, she's a player that I reckon you could pretty comfortably be putting in your team later on in the season as someone who you know is going to score you pretty well. And the other thing that we saw in the preseason games was that she was taking kickouts. So we've talked about how important that is for a player. We've, we've talked about how all of these players are going to be in basically a raffle to get in these spots but if i was picking between priest and jacobson myself at this stage i'd probably go for jacobson yeah but i think the the problem there is what's the price upside like if you were like the the thing with hannah priest is that the very least you know that there's a potential we know that more cbas and i like bella lewis was an outlier she had scored well the season prior and it was anticipated she would only improve like I just think that if you're picking someone, particularly at a mid, like, and who isn't in, in a primo level, you need to see some price upside. I just don't know where that comes from. With and that's the thing. I actually completely agree with you. If you're looking to start either of these two, start with Priest. Because Priest is the one that could end up getting you that extra money and could really jump up in that price. I think Jacobson will probably stay at a very similar price for the whole year, which is why for me... Jacobson's one of those players that look coming into rounds, you know, six, seven, eight, where you're looking to get all of your players up into premium territory. She's a fantastic target for then. But if you're going to start with her, you're basically saying, this is a player that's going to sit in my team the entire year and not change in price. So it's they're quite, to me, they're quite different in terms of how we're looking at them. For me, if, if I'm talking entire season, I probably want Jacobson by the end of it. But if you're starting with one of them, Priest is definitely the option there. Yeah. It, it, it's, and, and like I, I flagged, it's not an easy, like, slam dunk decision. I just think that, and part of the reason why Priest is at four is that we know that she can average 61 just as a defender. She had a couple of games where she had some high, high like, CBAs, but then 90% of the season was no CBAs whatsoever, can still average 61. Let's say she can push that up six or seven points. That puts her at the possibility of being in the top yeah. three. In yeah, my I mind. agree with that. Whereas every every other player comes with much less potential yeah. upside. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the thing about that is J- Jacobson is definitely the safer option. But if you're looking for that value and someone who can probably jump up towards that 70 average, Priest is definitely the one. Whether it happens is obviously something we're going to have to see in the season. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think the other thing, I think the other thing as well, when Tani White was like, oh, the player that I expect to have a massive impact this year is Hannah Priest. Mm. That's also just like, ah, oh, so the, inside the club, they're also hot on it. And I think that's probably why as well, she probably doesn't play as a full-time midfielder. But the fact that she was in the midfield in the first half of a practice match also fills me with a little bit of confidence. Yeah, I, I think that's the other thing is 
for a player like Hannah Priest, I think it's ironically better for them not to be playing full-time midfield. You basically want them to just go in there to get the extra four or five disposals that just pushes that average up. So we'll, I guess that's one that we'll definitely watch with keen interest early in the year. And so there, it kind of goes on to the fifth, which is Eloise Jones. I think, and we've already kind of talked about B. Jacobson, but in the near misses list, we've got Katie Lynch at Western Bulldogs. We've got Nat Grider at Brisbane. We've got Karen Peterson at Carlton. We've got Stevie Lee Thompson at Adelaide, Ellie Brown from the Western Bulldogs, and then Sarah Veria at Fremantle. All of them are in the averaged high to mid to high 50s last year. I chose Eloise Jones, if only because I think she has the highest scoring potential because she plays in a team that is a very high possession team in Adelaide. And she showed the potential last year, irrespective of what role she was playing, half forward, wing, half back, can still hit kind of mid to high 80s scores. But I'm not entirely confident. I, I, You could make a good argument and I would probably change this fifth ranking. Any Open up to the floor. Who would you be most hot on replacing Eloise Jones at fifth? I think for me, the one that I talked a fair bit about in the Bulldogs episode was Katie Lynch. Katie Lynch had a massively high ceiling when she was playing as that running halfback and taking those marks. And it a lot of it came down to how the Bulldogs used new recruit Millie Brown. Because when Katie Lynch was playing as a lockdown defender, her scoring went absolutely straight to the ground. And we've seen in the practice games that Millie Brown has, at least at this stage, started as that key lockdown defender... So to me, that's a massive sign that Katie Lynch could be the one to play that running, taking marks, getting those looser possessions, which is fantastic for fantasy scoring. Very similar to what Eloise Jones does. So I think those two should hopefully play a very similar role and then hopefully both do very well in terms of their scoring. Yeah, you you picked it very well there, mate. I think Millie Brown was definitely playing that lockdown role and that that is going to free up a lot. I suppose my, my biggest concern there is that the Bulldogs... Uh, you know they were playing the Giants, and the Giants sort of let them have a few easy kicks around. So they were definitely possessing the ball at the Bulldogs in this game, and that made Katie Lynch look fantastic. But another one was that Eleanor Brown, who previously had played as that key defensive role alongside Lynch, she ended up being pushed up into the midfield, which mm, was big, big surprise. Was really interesting to me. I'm not sure. This, this is one where the big red flag to me is that this is a practice game. And a lot of a lot of levers get pulled just to see how they look. We know the Bulldogs had two very big missing players for their midfield in Kirsty Lamb and Georgia Stathis. But I mean she looked fantastic and you would imagine she'll keep pinch hitting in the middle, but she's gonna be pushed back into the defense. Are we worried that there's gonna be a little bit of a an oversupply of, of key defenders back there between Lynch Brown and Brown? I don't know about oversupply. I think Lynch can definitely play more as the running mid-sized defender. So I think if they were to go with uh, Brown and Brown, I think that wouldn't be too bad for the Bulldogs. I don't think they'd lose out too much. But it does beg the question because the if you've got a player who we think is a key defender playing through the midfield, I mean, it speaks to what pretty much every single player we've talked to this preseason's talked about, which is player versatility i think it means that a lot of the players aren't going to have as set roles as we're probably used to and that's going to make things quite difficult one other one that could be interesting is uh nat Grider from the brisbane lions so she from what i've read from the preseason game she 
played as well as we would expect her to. She had a really good season six, quite average. Uh, her average was quite high. Her ceiling is quite high. But as for her specific role, I'm not fully across that. Does anyone have anything to the contrary to this? Yeah, no, I can I can jump in. I think so. Last season, she was playing as that like half back, sort of occasionally up on the wing, but mostly across half back. Uh, and she was she was very very good. This preseason, it's interesting because I had seen her playing a lot across half back, taking a lot of intercept marks against the Saints, and she did that really well. Uh, there were a lot of reports, though, I suppose that the that she'd been getting midfield minutes. So I went back and had a look, I suppose, and a little bit closer. And there weren't many, but there were, I suppose, a couple CBAs in there. I wouldn't expect her to do it full time because the Lions have such an impressive midfield unit between, uh, you know, league best and fairest winner Bates. You've got Ali Anderson, who's not going anywhere. Isabel Dawes had a really, really fantastic game. So I can see her doing a little bit more in there. I don't think that you would put Grider in the midfield mix. You just don't need it. You probably need her off half back. The lack of Kathy Spark respect is it's telling. <laughs> that's well. fair. That's fair. She was, she was also running through there, doing pretty well. I think one of the other big things about Brisbane is they have such a fantastic defensive structure, and a lot of that has come from players like Grider and skipper Bree Conan who just know how to organize that defense to make sure that they're always in the right places and they're able to, to take those intercepts and do the team thing. So to me, it's it would probably not be beneficial to Brisbane to move Grider out of there simply because they're taking one of their key defensive cogs and putting it into an area of the ground where, as Jono said, they're actually really flush for options. So I, I think it's probably better for Brisbane to leave her in the back line and ironically probably also better for Grider's fantasy I think just to keep playing the role that we know she's very good at playing yeah and gives a nice role security as well that she's probably always going to be on playing that role each week I mean she was an all-Australian defender I guess that says everything to me why would you push your all-Australian defender into a midfield that's already got plenty of options you could ask the same question with Colin. And I do ask the same question with Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think the thing the thing we do say about Collingwood is obviously they're missing two of their star midfielders in Bree Davy and Britt Benici. So I think there is scope there to change that midfield mix. But for, for Brisbane, where they're coming into this new season with a very strong midfield group that we know is going to be formed around the key players that have been there pretty much the whole time. I, I don't see the benefit in putting Grider through that midfield mix, especially when their defence works so well with her back there. I can definitely still see Nat Grider, even just playing off half-back, making that top five list. I don't know if she'd be anywhere near the top two, but in terms of three through five, very good chance. I just I don't know if he'd start with her is my concern. I think one of the issues we're going to have this season is that we've got 120 new players coming into the league. And that is, you know, it's something that even in the men's game, we haven't seen an expansion year like this before. And the one the one thing that worries me is that of all the prices in the game right now, you take that total value, that's going to stay the same the rest of the season, which means if we're having players like, you know, uh, Ham in our midfield, um, Segetti up forward or Ella Roberts or Hannah Ewing, all of these terrific youngsters that are coming through if their price is going up someone else has got to come down so if you're looking at a defender or a or a a premium i suppose that you're expecting to average the same this year as they did last year 
what they're actually going to do is go down and cash. Yeah, and I, I see I see Nack Ryder in the exact same boat that I see B. Jacobson. Fantastic player, going to continue to score very good and probably very consistent scores. But because you're not going to be getting that cash generation, you're basically saying, I'm going to take this bit of money and that's just going to sit there for the rest of the year. I'm not going to be generating any money. They're probably more players that you want to target to bring into your team later on. If you have a premium that's going to go well up and above, and that I think going back to last year, Will, you, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with Adam Swanson? Yeah, I went for Ruby Slasher to start the season and I didn't get Emma Swanson. And it, it pained me. Every time I watched West Coast, I just watched Emma Swanson rack up the ball because she's such a fantastic midfielder. And realistically, not having Emma Swanson in my back line has probably cost me a hat. So not having the best defender in the game from not just from the outset, but I, I literally could not afford to upgrade to her. My back line ended up being very solid, but because I couldn't get that one genuine superstar who was averaging nearly 20 points more than the next, it really did cost me in the end. I think if you've got someone who's that much better than the rest of the comp, you've got to take him. But yeah, for agree. someone who might be fourth or fifth, I'm, I'm probably searching for a bit more value. Yeah. And I do want to throw one last name who we've talked about who could be the value in Sarah Verrier. So Sarah Verrier is only priced at an average of 55. So, so probably at the lower end of this premium band. But what really interested me was at the end of last season, didn't drop below 50 for the last six games of the season. It says third season coming up. So has that potential for ex- growing in terms of experience and the, the classic third season breakout. So to me, of that list, she's one that you could probably get value out of. Whether she's going to push up into that upper tier where she's going to average 65 to 70, or whether she's going to boost that average from 55 just up to a 60, I'm not 100% sure at this stage, but there's one where there could be a bit of cash generation. Do you have any concern about the fact that she was out of the um, preseason game for HNS? I, th- I think that's always a concern, but at the same time, we also saw Kiara Bowers going out with uh, HNS protocols, and I don't think anyone's too worried about Kiara Bowers coming back round one and scoring a massive score. So, look, it's always a concern when the players are out with with COVID, but I think there's enough time before the season starts that she should hopefully be able to recover and be ready to go round one. All right, I think that was a pretty comprehensive chat there that we've done on the, the premium defenders that we're considering just to, to lead our backlines from a fantasy sense at the very least. But the real value in this game is, is coming up. We've got the mid-priced madness ahead of us, uh, as well as our rookies. On the mid-priced madness, we're going to do something a little bit different here. We've each picked one player that we think is a lock to start in our teams, someone that we, we think might provide a little bit of value for I suppose, pushing up towards that premium band. And I think we're all going to take just a little bit here to go through why we think that they're the best mid-price madness player that you can pick. Just, I'm just going to flag something. This whole idea that they're a lot yeah, to be in I your also side, picked up on that. That is not no, true no, no, at no. all. That is <laughs> no, not no, true no, no, at no. all. No, no, no. <laughs> the, I'm not going to get slandered when they don't see this player in my team. <laughs> in yes, I completely agree with that, Jono, because I think these are probably the best mid-priced options but in a season where we've talked a lot about guns and rookie strategies, I think saying that mid-price players are locks is probably very optimistic. 
I was even struggling to think about it because in my current team structure, there are no mid-price defenders. <laughs> I've gone straight guns and then straight rookies. All right, so. all right. I'll, I'll rephrase that. These are the mid-price matters. If you're looking for a mid-pricer in your back line, these are the four <laughs> yes, that we're looking for based on your team <laughs> oh, structure. There we go. Well I'm, I'm locking in mine. That's all I'm saying. You can hear that right here and now. That's fine. Why don't I'll you go, go first. All right. I think, I think the best value we're going to have is a hawk because, of course, it is. Hawks are wonderful. <laughs> Such a homer. <laughs> I've got Lou Stevenson for mine. Lou played for GWS last few years as a key defender, but at the Hawks, I reckon she's in for a breakout season. She's priced at 38, so 64K, and in the preseason match against Richmond, she played 100% midfield minutes. She was at every CBA for the day and looked really, really good. I, I can see a probably being the, the second biggest mid in there after Tilly Lucas Rod, uh, because the only other two that ran through there were uh, drafty Jazz Fleming and Tamara Smith, who's come up from the VFLW. So very tight midfield mix. The Hawks are clearly trying to get some uh, familiarity between the players because they haven't had a lot of a chance to work together. So a lot less experimentation than some of the other clubs did. I, I'm thinking that she's pretty much going to start there and stay in there at least for the first few rounds as the Hawks try and figure out what, what our midfield is going to look like. Yeah, listening to you squeal with excitement every time Louis Stevenson ran through the midfield. Uh, so I can I can account for how many times that was because I was sitting next yeah, to you listening. Pretty much the whole game. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, it looked very exciting in that game. Yeah. Not what I had considered before, actually, as well. It was like the first time I'd heard it. No, either. I'm, I was very surprised to see it. I, I know that we have a lot of... I suppose key defender experience at the Hawks, but to see to see her running through the midfield was a big surprise, and she looked really good. She was tackling really well. She was spreading really well, which I can't say of a lot of the Hawks team today. But getting into a lot of space, getting involved in the, the kick mark game, I was I was really a big fan. See, I can't disagree with anything because it's it's a great thing. Like she's going to be priced at thirty eight, and has potential to hit what 55 55 is what i was hoping for yeah which is yeah which is more than enough to be able to justify it's really just unfortunate that we did this as like a draft process so we all got to draft the player that we wanted to talk about jonah were you considering lou stevenson when we originally did Uh, this? not initially but i was the one who watched the hawks and immediately went in and changed mine (laughs) (laughs) bags it on the spot (laughs) we'll we'll get to people who just missed out on our Mid-price very, madness later, and we're going to talk about some of the other players. But I think I think this was a good one. You've got an exciting pick as well, Liam. I do have an exciting pick, but I have a, I have a pick where I know that if she were ever to come in my team, I would be so frustrated. So I have gone with Ellie Hampson, who's someone I owned last year. She ticks all the boxes at the Suns in that she plays through the midfield from time to time. She has a very good kick on her. She always looks to exit through the front of the stoppage. So has just that ability to really gain yards kind of effortless, 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 without any problems. (laughs) That was not effortless. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was so terrible. Um, So Ellie Hampson will come in priced at 50, but we do know that she can get up into the 80s. And additionally, and this is my my reason for maybe a little bit more hope, is that she is now in the leadership group. Now, I'm hoping that with 
by part of being the leadership group, she could put her fist down and say, no more role switching. I want to be a midfielder. I should be a midfielder. Please stop just throwing me at halfback and having quiet quarters. We know that when she runs through the midfield, she can hit 40 to 50% CBAs and hit 60, 65. Please, 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 just one role. I've always thought that the hallmark of a good leader is to put themselves and their role ahead of the rest of the team. So I can yes, very much I see agree. that happening. I am a, I'm an excellent leader. <laughs> now, speaking of Ellie Hampson, I believe you followed this roller coaster very closely last season, Liam. Was that true? Oh, I, I only I know that she changed roles and would have these quarters where she'd score like three points because I brought her in in about round four. And she was fine. Like, I think... At that point, I also got a couple of her average scores because of COVID affecting games and game time. So she ended up being a perfectly adequate member of my team, but she was definitely my D5 at the end of the season. But just so tantalizing, like watching her move through the midfield, she is so good with ball in hand. And I know it's a bit of a meme at this point, but like exiting through the front of the stoppage, there is only maybe one or two players on each team that are capable of doing that. And Ellie Hampson is one of those players at the Suns. So I was watching the Gold Coast preseason game yesterday and she did look good, but my concern was that the the midfield was obviously dominated by Drennan, who's fantastic, but then also saw a lot of Rowbottom, a lot of um, Jamie Stanton in the midfield, a lot of Courtney Jones, and then it was really just kind of Whitford and Hampson that were kind of the, the dregs of the midfield, I guess, in that way. So... I, do, I just can't see her getting too much midfield time when you've got so many other great people already running through there. And it would give me a little bit of uncertainty about just how many points she can be getting. In which case, who have you said then, Mel? Who would you suggest otherwise? Well, good segue. I was watching Rebecca Miller earlier today and she was one that was also not on my radar until the game. But she got me really excited. So I hadn't really... Yeah, I hadn't really heard much of her before, but she's priced at 42. She has a good potential because she's scored 60 a few times um, in the last season when she was playing as a fullback, so still gets the ball enough to be relevant. Her lowest kind of score historically has been when they played against West Coast. I don't know what happened there because uh, West Coast still did score seven goals, but she looks really good in today's game. She was taking kick-ins. She was playing as key defender. My only caveat... My, oh, my only red flag, I guess I should say, with her, if Richmond are going to pre- be pretty good this season, which I'm really hoping they are, is it a silly idea to pick a Richmond defender? You actually took the words right out of my mouth there. Richmond looked really, <laughs> really good in both practice games they played. So they played against Hawthorne today, but they had a match sim against West Coast the week before, uh, sorry, Frio the week before. Frio, yeah. And my God, they were very, very impressive. The midfield unit at Richmond is taking it to a whole new level this year. In both of those games, the ball was not even really in the midfield that much. It was predominantly in the offensive, um, attacking <laughs> attacking 50 for Richmond uh, against both Frio and Hawks. So it, it just didn't feel like it was going to get the chance to go back there much this season. So I like her, but I'm not going to put her in my team just because I'm probably not going to go mid-price madness on defenders. And there's a few red flags there. What about you, Will? Now, speaking of mid-price madness, I was fourth in this draft, so I had the, the most difficult ch- opportunity to try and figure out who to pick out of a very difficult patch of players. But I think I've got a pretty good one here, and it's going to 
hopefully make Jono very happy because I've also gone a Hawk. So uh, the player I've gone for is Eileen Gilroy, who's come across from North Melbourne. Didn't play in the practice matches, unfortunately. But I think she's got a really important role to play for the Hawks. So one of the things about the Hawthorne backline that we've talked a bit about is they've got a lot of tall players, a lot of intercepting ability, really strong backline. But what they're probably missing most in that backline is a player to run it out. And Eileen Gilroy is that player. To me, she is the player that they will look to give the ball to to move the ball up the field and will therefore get a lot of kicks, a lot of handball receives to get those sorts of points. She's priced at 45, so definitely a lot of potential, and I reckon she can push that up towards a 55, 60 quite easily. Uh, So to me, Eileen Gilroy is a player that you should be looking at if you are looking at mid-price madness as someone who may get you a bit of a boost. Are there any kind of caveats, red flags here, or just good all the way? Well, I'd like to say that there are none because that's why I picked her, but I think the thing about it is her ceiling score is probably only in that upper 60s. I think with uh, coming into a pretty new team, a team that may have the ball down there a bit more, it may improve her ability to get the ball down there. But at the same time, I, I think that, there probably isn't a high ceiling, but I think she's a chance to improve in her consistency. You know, watching them today, uh, you're not actually wrong because Catherine Brown, Jess Duffin, Jenna Richardson, Big Mac in Mackenzie Eardley, all four of them play very tall. And the ball, it, we, we didn't have a lot of speed. I think the Hawks were playing a bit more of a kick-mark possession style game. And aside from a few you know, execute, execution errors here or there, I think they were doing okay. They just couldn't transition it forward. And I think someone who has got that run and carry would be a great addition. So Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the big benefits f- of the addition of Eileen Gilroy. North were very disappointed to lose a very talented player. I think she's the sort of player that can really, once you've got that intercept, really burst and run forward really hard, get that mark or get the ball loose out on the halfback flank wing and really take their full meterage to get it up the field and I think that's a very important role for Hawthorne Will just to check if you've done your research do you know what Eileen Gilroy's high score was last year last year I don't know I know her high score was 68 though I don't know if that was last year or the year before she hit she hit above 60 once last season and it was a 61 true and this is why I think that playing for the Hawthorne change of scenery new team that probably will have it a bit more in the back line than North Melbourne I'm hoping that that's where the uh, those extra points will come from, and rather than having a, a high of 60, she'll have a more regular score of around 60. I, I just... I'm, I'm worried with the description of a running halfback in a team that will get smacked, I reckon, a lot. I'm also going to reiterate my position here that I was draft pick four, and I had very little to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I am really trying to sell a player that I'm probably not going to look at for my own fantasy team. Something just to flag, the Hawks did a lot of, uh, I suppose, intercept marking. It was very rather than then go back and kick. A lot of times someone would run past, they'd give the hands off. That's Eileen Gilroy for you. That's I Eileen Gilroy. I, I reckon I I'm on a winner that. here. I reckon yeah. if we come back to it at the end of the season, all four of these players, probably none of us will have had. But I reckon Gilroy is going to be a very good chance. Sorry, Jono, you're going to get uh, <laughs> Lou Stevenson. I'm going to have Lou Stevenson as well. <laughs> At the moment, I'm also considering Lou Stevenson. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Look, I think I've had the pick of a lot here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay very confidently 
that I have taken the dub here. But I'm I'm keen to hear what everyone else listening at home thinks uh, as to whether or not you've even considered any of the other three. Before we move on to some of our rookies, who were some of the players that we didn't talk about here? Before I made the switch to Lou Stevenson this morning, the one that I was probably most keen on was Ange Foley. I think she's going to do a lot of intercepting down at the Port Adelaide Power, so one to keep an eye on. Yeah, for me, it's Jess Duffin. I think she's a big chance to get a lot of intercepts back there. 33 years old, so a classic Will veteran trap, but I think she'll be a very important player from an experienced point of view for the Hawks. Mine was, before I switched out, was going to be Kate Lutkins. I think given she only played one game last season, could come back in stronger than ever with a discount. Yeah, I like the option, but she played the one game last season because she did her ACL, so... It would be a very quick return. It's something Brisbane are talking about, which is exciting, but it might be around one watch to see if she's even named. Unlikely at this stage, I would have thought. Yeah. Good thing I didn't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Liam, is there anyone else that you were considering? Uh, Like, I don't really like the mid-prices in the the defenders that much, to be honest. The only one that maybe would interest me if she can spend more time on the wing is Casey Sheriff at Melbourne. But again, it's just like a problem of too many mouths to feed at Melbourne. There's like 47 different midfielders, and that's when they don't try and put their one of their best forwards in the midfield as well. Fun fact, Casey Sheriff kicked two goals yesterday against the Blues. That's, uh, that's it sounded like everyone time. was kicking goals. <laughs> well, yeah. It sounds like everyone was kicking goals against the Blues. There, there were at least four multiple goal kickers, which was a bit crazy. Then the other one from me, um, Shannon Dankert looked pretty good playing for the Gold Coast yesterday but probably on the lower end of our mid-price. Well, I think then we can jump into rookies because if we can't find any mid-prices that we like, then we're going to need a whole host of these. So very, very excited to go through and have a chat through what these defenders might look like. I think I might start chatting us off on the rookies with some of the expansion sides because as excited as we are to see these teams in the competition... That's probably where the ball is going to be spending a little bit of time this season. Contrary to what one might expect, I'm not going to start with the Hawks here because I want to start with another game, which is the Sydney versus Collingwood game. This was a cracker of a game, and the key thing is that Sydney have so many defenders, and they're all very, very cheaply priced, and a lot of them got a lot of game time. Firstly, I want to talk about Brenna Tarrant because... I actually don't think that there is a more important player that we could add to our teams this season. She was phenomenal. Did anyone else here happen to catch how she did in that second quarter in particular? No. No, no, I I got a chance to watch it. It was just like so many intercept possessions. Every time the ball went in there, she'd touch it at least once. Yeah, she was tackling everything in sight, intercepting half the balls that came in there. I don't think that there was a rebound 50 that she didn't have some involvement with. She was everywhere. I, I genuinely think she would have racked up 100 or hundred plus fantasy points. And she's coming into this season priced at, oh, I think it's in the mid-20s. She's only at 40K. That, this, to me, is the, is the easiest pick I'm going to have this season. Plus, we got the uh, little interesting fact that she was playing as a, a midfielder in the preseason as well. So, to me, there's just so much upside with Brenna Tarrant, friend of the show as well. So... To me, she she was one of the first players I picked in my back line. Yeah, I, it seems a little ridiculous. I felt proud watching the game, having her on the podcast. <laughs> I was sitting there just, every time she got it, I was like, oh, bless, look at her go, she's killing it. She's just so good. 
she was actually so composed though like someone would be tackling her and she'd be like looking upfield not concerned about the fact someone's about to you know tear a new one very very tough one thing just to point out though all of the rookies are starting at oh sorry all the people that are playing their first game this season are starting at 28.7 grand but Brina is starting at 40 grand so just a little bit more expensive but still definitely rookie priced and sounds like it's going to be worth it i think one of the things about that as well though is it's 12 grand more so it's a little bit of consideration, but Brenna Tarrant to me is one of the players in that Sydney backline that has the most job security. I think that she will be in this team for the entire season, barring you know some sort of um, injury or COVID-related absence. So to me, it's a very safe pick. It's it's worth spending that little bit more on a player that you know will be in there. There's a plethora of other Sydney defenders who we'll talk about, but. To me, she is the one that you know round one will be in that lineup. I might jump in there, I suppose, and just give a bit of a summary to how Sydney ended up lining up in that defensive half because it was a little bit different to what we talked about on the podcast. So Brenna Tarrant was back there. She was a was the key defender along with Lex Hamilton. Lexi Hamilton was that shutdown role, had a very, very tough job up there because some of those Collingwood talls were in very good form. But I suppose those two seem to be the pillars. Genevieve Lawson Tavern was another one there who I suppose was playing tall because, again, Collingwood have a very tall forward line yesterday. Ella Heads was taking kickouts and was playing as that small distributor role, which was very impressive. Yeah, because she's listed as a mid. She is listed as a mid, yeah, which is what she'd done at the lower level. So having Ella Heads come in and play that, uh, I suppose, defensive quick was a little bit of a surprise. But when she takes kickouts, what I really liked was She's very quick, very agile. She would almost run all the way out to the 50 before anyone caught her, which meant she was getting a, you know pretty good clearances. I think she is probably going to have a monopoly on that. There was a few spread around yesterday, but there are a couple times I noticed you know Brenna Tarrant would have the ball off the point, and yeah, she'd end up tossing it over the head, so I reckon that role's pretty set. Molly Eastman played back there, but to be honest, didn't get as many minutes as I was expecting. Uh Bridie Kennedy is another that I thought was pretty interesting. Listed as a defender, but she played almost exclusively on ball, which was exciting to see. Yeah. Mm. Bridie Kennedy is a player that I was very interested to see what her role would be in this preseason game. And to see her playing through that midfield, to me, is a really good sign. A more experienced player, so again, likely to have very good job security. That quite interests me as a rookie price player in that defensive line. If you're only going to take one of the Sydney rookie defenders, though, you've just raved about how good Brina Tarrant is. But also, like, do you take Brina or do you take Bridie? I'm very strongly considering running three Sydney defenders, which seems a little bit absurd. I also have three. I, c- I can attest that the Sydney backline is where you're going to want to be looking for your rookie players. I think there's a lot of value to be had in a lot of these players. I think you you'd be probably looking to run at least two of them. If you are going to go with Brenna Tarrant, I think Brenna Tarrant at this stage is probably a good almost D4 at this stage with a genuine rookie at, at your D5. And then for me, you can go with any of the, the ones we've talked about fairly comfortably. The only one that I'll put a little bit of a flag on is Genevieve Lawson Tavern. She currently sits in my team, so it's not that big a flag. Mm. But the the one that didn't play on the weekend was Maddie Collier. And Maddie Collier is almost a certainty to slot into that back line somewhere. 
She is you know, part of the leadership group for the Swans, so definitely won't be missing at all. There's a chance they play her up forward, but I would expect her to probably take one of the, the key tour roles down back. Yeah, for me, the one that I'm very keen on besides Brenna Tarrant is Bridie Kennedy. Just the fact that she will be playing almost exclusively as a midfielder, as a, as a basement price player, is almost too good to resist. So she's the one that's currently sitting in my team. I've also got Molly Eastman, so disappointing to hear that she didn't get as many minutes as we probably would like. But Bridie Kennedy is the one for me. AFLW experience, playing in the midfield, you can't ask for much more from your rookie defender. Another one that I will mention at the other end of the ground for Collingwood was Sophie Casey. She played a very impressive game, and it's probably on the back of Schleicher playing in that midfield, and so there was a bit more opportunity for her, but she was taking a lot of intercept marks, uh, and she, despite having played in a league for a while, is still pretty cheap, only at 45k. So one to consider. I, I don't necessarily think that she's going to be doing the same thing if Schleicher is back there, but... If, if for whatever reason we see uh, Ruby playing in the midfield, I think Sophie Casey's probably a, an option for you. I might jump over to the Richmond Hawthorne game from earlier today. The two kind of standouts to me from Hawthorne were Jenna Richardson and Catherine Brown. Catherine Brown at the back taking pretty much every kick in, great on the defender role, and when she wasn't taking the kick in, it was going to Jenna Richardson, who, given that the ball was in the Hawthorne... <laughs> defensive 50 for pretty much the entire game they were around at lots and it's probably something that I expect to see in the first few games uh, of the season on the Richmond side though Isla Sheeran looked great she had the the few times I spotted her she was just running straight through a pack um, really kind of pushing people out of the way um, had some great intercepts looked good on the field she was she was the second Richmond draft pick uh, as a rebound defender, and that's what she looked like she was playing, so I reckon she's one to watch. Anyone else at Hawthorne? The weird one to me was a Keck McCool-Chuat, because she's a key defender, and she played on the wing the whole game. Due to her very low average playing over at Richmond in that key defender post, she's still basement-priced, uh, and you can... Mm. She, was, she was taking a lot of very good marks and getting a lot of ball out on that wing, so... I'm not sure if that's going to continue, but it's one that I'm certainly going to consider in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to round one. Cool. So moving over maybe to the Geelong and Gold Coast game then, I really liked a couple of people here. On Geelong side, Georgia Clark. So she actually played as a forward in this game, and maybe, Will, you can shed some <laughs> insights onto why that was. She almost had back-to-back goals. So she got a goal, which was amazing, and then had a moment again a few seconds later to go for another one, which unfortunately she didn't get. But seeing her play um, hand-in-hand with Maloney, who was just on fire with the goal kicking, the fact that Georgia Clark still had space to play was really um, an exciting opportunity for me. I'm not sure if she'll be fantasy relevant, but uh, she looked really good. Yeah, she was actually one that Nina Morrison highlighted as having that role change moving up the forward line. Uh, I think you're right, Mel. Exciting player to to have in that forward line. Fantasy-wise, I'm not sure Geelong forwards are where you want to be looking. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, one concern that I would have is Geelong has a pretty tough run early. They've got Richmond, Fremantle, Collingwood, and then North in the opening four rounds. Yeah, that that seems a bit of a concern. I do do like what you're saying about it, and and if it wasn't for that, then maybe. In this match, Jono... But there's your favourite name in the competition for the Gold Coast that you want to talk about. 
there is. It's Gabriel Biedenweg Webster. I wasn't able to watch this game because I was watching about three others at the same time. But Mel, please, please tell me that you heard good things about it. I'm so glad you introduced her name because I was just sitting here practicing it in my head. GBW, um, GBW. <laughs> GB dubs. Yeah, I heard her name a lot. So the commentators were also kind of struggling. So she went by Webster, which was nice. But yeah, no, she was she was playing really well in the defense, which Gold Coast definitely needed. But it looked like it was a little bit hard to see, but it looked like her role was quite pivotal in the defense line there and definitely heard her name get thrown around quite a lot. So that's the best of my insights I have for that. <laughs> that's right. That's, it's, that's enough, I suppose, for me to at least go back and watch that game because I think that is one of the few that we can look back on, isn't it? Yes, they. I was very surprised and happy to see that I missed the last quarter due to the derby starting. But uh, no, the full game is online for you to watch at your pleasure. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Western Derby, was anything in there worth talking about from a defensive rookie point of view? Because I know there are a few forwards we might get to in another episode. Yeah, it was tricky, tricky for me. The two rookies that were named and played were Orla Lally, who came over from Ireland, just kind of landed just a few days ago, it feels like. Um, I know she played... I don't really have anything to add because I couldn't watch that full game, unfortunately. And Maddie Scanlon also played nothing really to add. Uh, maybe, Liam, if you watched a bit of that game, you've got something. Unfortunately, it was very much a case of I could barely see what was going on in that game because it was such a torrential downpour. Uh, and then the game stopped halfway through because of lightning. So even if we did, were going to get some things from that game, probably not going to be the most fantasy-relevant observations. But hey, we're, we're the football. We've been, we literally mentioned I know. 57 besquillion times. We've talked times. about it so much, and we finally got to see it. So Yeah, that was more than wet weather. That was like storm football. Yeah. Swimming football. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And the only kind of rookie price defender from West Coast is Zoe Wackfar, who didn't play, so... Nothing too exciting there. So are we really looking for the players who attract the least amount of lightning? That's essentially what we're targeting. In <laughs> yeah, clearly yeah, we're not going for the West Australian teams then. Cause... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Liam, what about Port and Essendon? Very exciting game for rookies. Yes. So the big thing for the Dons was getting a chance to look at how they were going to line up. Now, unfortunately, the players that I actually think are probably most likely to come into my side as from the Bombers who played in defense are actually unfortunately named as forwards, and that's Mia Van Dyke. But we do know that, and I did, we did see a bit of Mia Bush moving around in the back line. We know, I know that she took a couple of kick-ins as well. So the very least, their basement price names, that if we see anything from them in the first two weeks, they're downgrade targets. Another one to name is Yasmin Dersma, who looked good in the first half of Port Adelaide. Um, she will be priced at bottom yeah, price. Yeah, basement. Bottom price. Another another basement priced. Obviously comes from pretty good stock with her dad being a, an AFL player and then obviously her brother also being at Port Adelaide. So another name another name to watch. Yeah, I was reading up on the game and the age said she had a really great game and she was pivotal in driving the ball forward. So that was enough for me. <laughs> One player I'm really keen to talk about is Amber Clark. And that is because she is listed as a defender. But Liam, what you were telling me earlier today, she might be a very, very handy player. Yeah, so Amber Clark is stupidly fast. 
Like, makes every other player look slow. But in the second half, she was getting some CBAs, which is really, really big. Now, the other problem was she spent most of the first half as a forward, meaning that if you're a forward in the expansion side, that's a mega, mega red flag. And then you're also contending with the fact that she was a very high draft pick. So she is not cheap by any means. So she's going to be at 46K, which to put it into context, you got Brenner, who is cheaper than that. I have, as much as I really liked what I saw from her, I don't anticipate she's going to be part of the midfield rotation substantially throughout the season, and otherwise she's going to be sitting forward. It really does make you question a lot of things, these practice games, because you had in the first half, she wasn't in the rotation, and they get thumped by Port Adelaide. Like, not thumped, but it was it was definitely a Port Adelaide strong first half. Port Adelaide rests some players, she comes into the midfield and suddenly Essendon looked like the most dominant team that's ever played footy. There was a real tale of two halves there. And the question is, are they going to look at that and go, oh, well, she wasn't up against no. the same competition, so she's not worth having in there? Or are they going to look at that and go, you know, hey, she did really well while she was in there. Maybe we should add her to our rotation going forward. I would be very surprised if that was the case. I, I very much think it, you can quite clearly see that the, get, the tenor of the game changed in the second half and I don't think that the Bombers would necessarily be taking too much away from it. Like, in the second half, it was such a different game that Matty Prasparkas wasn't even playing many CBAs, particularly in the fourth quarter. So, if you have to, in order to get CBAs, have Madison Prasparkas leave, I'm not exactly set on your role being particularly strong. Yeah, that's that's, that's very fair. Was there anyone else in that game? I mean, we had Indy Tauhau back there playing a, a key defensive role. Priced pretty cheap, only at 32k. Yeah, she was being led around the ball a lot by Bonnie Toogood, who, by the way, looked absolutely amazing. <laughs> but yeah, not not I'm not seeing a particularly fantasy relevant role. It's kind of it was almost too difficult to take away many fantasy relevant takeaways from that game because it was a very dour, underscored uh, first half. Uh, and Port Adelaide were up, but they weren't kind of dominating. Uh, and then the, the tenor of the game changed a lot in the second half when players like you know Jackie Yorston and um, uh, Gemma Horton both weren't playing, for example. Obviously, the game is going to look very different. So you kind of can't take too much away from how people looked. But again, two key position players, so I'm not, I'm not exactly particularly hot on it. To keep us moving, uh, I might throw over to the Bulldogs-GWS game. Uh, the one player that I've been looking at back there is Millie Brown because she comes in priced very cheap at 30 k We talked about it a little bit earlier as we were talking about Katie Lynch, but she was playing a key defender role, which you know is going to be up and down scoring, but at the very least, she was taking kickouts, she was intercept marking a little bit, playing deep back there. Is this one we should consider for our sides? I'm going to put quite simply no. Well, that was a great chat. Let's go on to the next game. Uh, I, I, and, the re- and the reason I say that is Millie Brown's only scored more than 40 once in her career in the AFLW. I think Millie Brown is going to be super important structurally for the Bulldogs. I've, I've gone on at length about how her being in the team might benefit other players such as Katie Lynch. I think from a fantasy scoring perspective, you're not going to see a huge amount, even if she does take the odd kick out here or there. So to me... I'd probably be looking at more interested in some of the expansion rookies, for example. Yep, no, that's fair enough. 
Uh, last game that I want to talk about is the Adelaide versus North Melbourne game because there were actually three rookies in here who looked very impressive during a hit-up between two powerhouses of the competition. So the first one is Erica O'Shea, one of the Irish recruits that North Melbourne has brought in. To me, 100% filling that Gilroy-sized hole that's been left in their defense. An Irish recruit for an Irish recruit is a very simple transition for them. But she was electric. She is very quick and was absolutely being used to dash out of that half-back line. One of the things that had concerned me, I suppose, coming into this was the Irish game style that she's used to, you know, back in Gaelic, is non-contact. So I was a little bit worried that, you know, footy was going to overawe her a little bit. But when she played, she was tackling so, so enthusiastically, which I really love to see. Someone who is coming up against a very strong pressure team in the Adelaide Crows and was doing very, very well. Yeah, she's the youngest ever Irish recruit to come over for the women, so big congratulations. But 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 also that that's me waving my red flag in the in the Zoom that we're recording with because she is the youngest ever. Irish I was literally recruit. about to I was literally about to say it. I'm like, <laughs> but that is the biggest concern for me. That is the biggest concern for me because I just think it's going to take her a bit of time to to get the the speed of the game. There's, I mean, practice games are great chance to learn but i think for her I, I think that the ceiling won't be there i think that she's she reminds me a bit of rachel kearns in a different way where she'll score some okay scores but she's not going to generate a whole lot of money will be an electric player to watch but maybe not fantasy rise i was going to say when you say it takes a while to get the speed of the game she's faster than the game she is so so quick oh. back there <laughs> well and, that's and, but she's also very small yeah she, she is very small but so is tyler hanks and i think she was potentially the best oh, player that i watched this entire weekend d- different type of small there i, I think taylor hanks <laughs> is very strongly built as an inside midfielder but to me er- erica O'Shea is one of those players that will be a joy to watch from a non-fantasy perspective but i i can't see her averaging much more than 20 to 30 well albeit she currently sits on my bench as a defender and i don't necessarily see that moving See, I actually think the other one that we've got mm. written down from the North Melbourne match is the one that I'm probably more interested in, which is Taylor Gatt. Yeah, she did get a lot of wing time. Um, and it was it was a tough game for wingers because the ball wasn't necessarily out in the open a lot, so it was hard for them to kind of get that spread and run. But I thought she did quite well. There was a few tackles, a few marks here or there. I don't think necessarily racked up a ton of the ball, but is definitely one that I can see on that wing with the departure of Caitlin Ashmore. So, Yeah, and that's what interests me. I think that we've got a player here who's probably likely to be a midfielder going forward in the fantasy game. So to take her as a rookie, as a defender, I think is the best value she's going to get till she becomes a more superstar-style player. So to me, Taylor Gatt is the better of those two options where if she plays on that wing, I reckon you could probably get an average somewhere between the 30 and 40 which is a bit better than what you're expecting from Erica O'Shea. Yeah, I think that the thing for me and, and the final rookie that is relevant from this game is I'm pretty hot on uh, on Jess Waterhouse. I think the fact that pretty much everyone who plays as a forward at Adelaide manages to get to like 35 mm. as a like a, as a base level. Like Abby Ballard had like a game where I think it might have even been, been single digits and she still averaged 35 last year. I think that if Jess Waterhouse plays and she's now played two games already after coming in as a very late stage recruit mm. and kicked goals in both of them, 
even if she's just playing as a small forward, I still think that like maybe there's like forty points there. Like it's a definite possibility. Like how bad can it be? I agree. She has absolutely come from the clouds in this one. Yeah, she looked really good. She does that like wheel and go really, really well, and it's really quick ball movement yeah, getting an nat- inside. 50. Natural footballer is the way I'd describe it. Mm, natural football interesting because she's actually come from soccer yeah well clearly she's just very sportingly talented so yes i'd say a natural athlete natural athlete that's the word <laughs> we'll run with that, we'll run with that. The, the flag that i have here is that we didn't have danielle ponter playing up forward in this game she was missing for personal reasons i i can see her playing i suppose exactly the role that that jess waterhouse was playing the only thing is that we were really sad Ponta didn't play because in her match sim earlier, she was actually playing midfield minutes. And so having her miss this game where we were hoping she would play it again and reinforce it, that, that yeah, was one I, we were really interested in. I think for me, Waterhouse is one of those players that as soon as she gets picked, chuck her on your team because you're probably good for a couple of weeks of pretty good price rise. But it will be a watch to see when that actually, that selection does come off. Yeah. The other thing is Adelaide do have a very challenging start to the season. A little bit of a difficult rough patch to get through in the middle, and then a hard end on the season as well. They have the hardest fixture of any team that they need to play, I mean, aside from sense. maybe Brisbane. Yeah, it makes sense given they are the reigning premiers. So, yeah, but a small forward in the early rounds against uh, the D's, the Tigers, the Kangaroos, and then the Pies. I think that's going to be a challenging start. Is there any other rookies that you're uh, interested from across the weekend? Do I look? The only game we haven't mentioned in a lot of detail here is Carlton v Melbourne. I think Annie Lee was one of a little bit of note given she was taking all of the kickouts, which uh, from a Carlton v. Melbourne perspective meant eight of them. But yeah, (laughs) you don't expect that to happen every week. And more importantly, you don't expect her to be taking any kickouts once Gab Pound is back in the team. So not one that stood out to me greatly, but yeah, one for the future. Yeah. If if Gab Pound is out for whatever reason, because she's a bit of an unknown at the moment, I could genuinely see myself picking Annie Lee if only because it sounds like she's taking kickouts in what could be a very terrible side. Well, let's say it's only one week. Are you going to really bank on one week of an okay score and then Pound coming back? That's a, a big gamble to make. No, it's it would be more a case of like Gap Pound is taking the season. Oh, yeah. To that makes more sense. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if we knew that she was going to be away for a decent enough period of time, then Annie Lee would be like, oh, she's now more interesting. Well, that's our overview of the defenders. Um, I've certainly got a few players to add to my watch list. But, guys, I might just throw back one last player. If you can only pick one of the players that we've talked about today across any of the three lines, who has got you most excited? I might start with you, Liam. Yeah, Lou Stevenson. I'm just going to take that before anyone else can. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I just think an experienced, experienced body coming in super cheap, playing in the midfield, I reckon. She's, uh, she's in my side at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of boxes ticked there. Mel, I'm going to throw to you next. I'm going to steal Brina Tarrant from you. I'm getting some thumbs down from Will and a sad face from Jono. But no, she sounds very exciting. Friend of the pod. Look, you, have you're it. just picking my backline here for me. But look, let's keep it moving. Will, which of my defenders <laughs> are you picking next? Uh, I'm going to go with Ruby Slicer. Yeah. <laughs> Top defender in the game. Cannot go past her for mine. Even with the concussion in the early season, I think that she will continue to be an absolute superstar in that backline. Yeah, no, great call out there. I'm going to go with Emma Carney. I, I see her as being the highest averaging in the game. I know that we've got Ruby Schleicher just on top of her, but I think Carney's going to have the better start to the season. So that, that might be where I spend my time and my money. Uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have those those truly top, top players coming in for our back lines. Great. Next, we're going to be discussing midfielders, so keep an eye out for that dropping very soon. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us at FreeKickWPod. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Steven. You can find me on Twitter at LMTom1. I'm on Insta as HiMelD. And I'm also on Insta at WillH underscore VI. We'll catch you later, everyone. Thanks, everyone. See ya.